Hey Calvary, I'm Jordan and I'm the children's pastor. And I'm Drew and I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary. And here's a quick look at what's going on at Calvary. This week we're continuing our Grace and Truth series. And so after this sermon, if you have any questions or are looking for more information, be sure to check out the cards at the info card. Uh, we also want you to take your next step here at Calvary. And whether that's baptism, whether that's joining a small group or even giving, the best place that you can do that um, is that our next step space, or if you're watching online, you, there's a card you can fill out. And like I said, we would love to meet with you and talk with you about baptism, what it means to follow Jesus. Um, or we do have a giving ladder that we use as a way, kind of a marker, um, just to kind of move in the progression of our giving. So if you're just new and not used to giving, we just encourage you to give something. And then if you've been giving something for a while, move to give something consistently. After you're giving consistently, we encourage you to give to a percentage all the way up to 10%. And that's something that we do as a church as well. Everything that we bring in, 10% of that goes out to missions. And we would encourage you to do the same. For sure. Uh, be sure to look for upcoming events on the Church Center app. That's where you can register for these events. Um, and just a reminder, continue to register for church and especially continue to register your um, kids by Wednesday before classes close. Uh, Women's Bible Study is about to uh, kick off this next week. February, fir fir sorry, February 3rd is their first date. Um, and with that, they have two groups that are closed um, and two that are open. And so the ones that are open, you can still sign up for the uh, First Corinthians study with N.T. Wright, and you can sign up for the Elijah study. But the other two are closed, and also child care is closed. Now, we've reached our max maximum capacity. So if you want to sign up, unfortunately, child care is not an option. Um, but if that's not something you need, you can still go and sign up um, on the Info Hub. Cool. And this week, you can keep up with us by going to the Info Hub at yourcalvary.info, um, on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And we also have weekly emails. So if you're interested in subscribing to those, be sure to let us know. Thanks for joining us today.
this morning it's a good God and it's amazing grace that we would be set free through no earning no striving of our own but through that gift of grace and so we celebrate that this morning here at Calvary thank you for joining us we know that many of you are online this morning some are here joining us in person for worship uh, through the weekend what a, what a beautiful snow we had uh, despite the roads are a little rough this morning Let's press into the Lord and trust he's got a good work this morning for us. So let's let him move and work. Remove all distractions. Just allow him to be the king this morning. Come on, let's worship. Speak to me. You're the only voice I want to hear. 
that we turn our eyes to you but you let everything else fall away fall in its place you're a good God it's you Jesus so meet with us this morning we need you in Jesus name amen won't you guys have a seat Good morning, Calvary. How are you? Helps to turn the microphone on. I apologize. We are glad that you are here tuning in online. Many of you are tuning in online. And I know that this morning has felt a little different. Um, we have uh, quite a few of our 9 o'clock people here at 1020. Welcome. This is what the latter half of the service looks like. We have a lot of people who are normally here who live in the county or just felt like it was unsafe for them to come. And we're glad that you're joining in with us online. We're in the middle of a series called grace and truth and this idea of grace and truth is really important because what you see in our society is our society is um, in the middle of what we call if you weren't here last week we've gone from a bell curve to a well curve and everything in our society from politics to even religion to education all this is pushing us to pick a side we get to these extremes we need to know how to find the way to live, we are to live looking at God's word in truth, but balancing that with grace. And the church that we talked about, the church that leans too heavily into truth without grace is a church that practices legalism. But a church that leans too heavily into grace without truth doesn't have any truth to stand on, doesn't have any, they're not pointing people to Jesus. So how do we wrap our mind around this? Where are we going with this? In today's topic, we're talking about the idea of reconciliation. Reconciliation, the understanding of what that looks like. And this is really important because in case you haven't realized this, we live in a very uh, angry society. We live in an age of outrage. Do you want to know how I know this? Last night when we were trying to decide what to do about today's services. And we were thinking about, do we cancel? Do we do one service? Do we do two? It comes across a pastor's mind. It comes across the leadership's mind. We're making this decision. Not what is the right decision, but how are people going to respond? Because you know there's going to be some people, whether or not they tell you this to your face or not, they're going to be like, where is your faith, young man? Do two services. God will allow you to be here, and if you love Jesus, you're going to carry through with doing what is supposed to happen, which is two services. And there's going to be some who feel like, well, if they don't really care about us and are willing to risk the volunteers' lives, go ahead and have a service if you want, right? But that's not what I would do. 
And then there's some who are going to be going, wow, you've had a whole week to look at this forecast. Why are you waiting till right now to make this decision? Anybody ever been there? And we live in a society where everybody wants to cast the first stone and everybody has an opinion and everybody is entitled. And maybe, just maybe, before we even get into the concept of reconciliation, we need to understand that the way we look at life may need to change. We need to allow God to speak to us. So I don't know if your morning was chaos, if you're disgruntled because the snow is way heavier than you thought. I don't know if your family is excited or if right now you're watching on the couch and you're begging your three-year-old to sit down and eat her crackers. But I think God has something to say to us today. So would we open our hearts and our minds and allow him to speak to us? Reconciliation and the balance of grace and truth. Let's first define reconciliation because it's not a word that we use all the time. I want to start with the reconciliation off the definition of Wikipedia. I know, the great reliable source. The act of causing two people or groups to become friendly again after an argument or disagreement. The process of finding a way to make two different ideas, facts, etc., exist to be true at the same time. Kids, this is why you don't cite Wikipedia as a source. The idea of taking two opposing facts and presenting them as true at the same time. Let that sink in. Now, if you've been on social media, maybe you've seen this illustration uh, that explains how two opposing facts can be true at the same time. And let me give you the exception to that rule, the way that this actually can be true at times, okay? Let's say I have a quarter, okay? And on one side I have Chris, and on one side I have Drew, and Chris is over here looking at the quarter, and he goes, I see heads. And Drew is over here saying, I see tails. They are two opposing facts that at the same time are both true. Here's the problem. Far too often, we accept that as the way that every truth exists should be viewed. And so we can sit there and go, gravity, as far as it exists in this room, is a fact. Oh, you disagree with that fact. That's okay. Maybe my fact is right and your fact is wrong. But the problem with that is we're not all floating around, right? There are truths that we should stand for. And the idea of reconciling those truths has to come to the place that occasionally what you view as true may actually not be true. And we have to learn to discern what it is and go and find what that is. So that is a very important concept. This is a second definition of reconciliation. It comes from accounting, because this is actually where we get the biblical idea of reconciliation. In accounting, reconciliation is the process of ensuring that two sets of records, usually the balances of two accounts, are in agreement. Reconciliation is used to ensure that the money leaving an account matches the actual money spent. All right, those of you who are under the age of 40, let me explain something to you. Back in the day, you used to get your bank statements in the mail, and there were no such things as looking at bank online. And once a month, 
when you wrote these things called checks, which are little square pieces of paper that you would use to write things on and sign your name on it, maybe you've seen your grandma do it, okay? And in that, you would write these checks out, and you had a bank statement, and then you had the amount of money that you thought you had. And at the end of the month, you took all those bank statements to make sure that what you thought you had is actually what you had. Spoiler, if the bank statement and your statement didn't match, it was almost always your fault. Right? So it's making sure, reconciling is making sure that I am right as compared to another standard. So making sure that the relationship is right. So the idea of making sure those two things line is important. So let's go a little further. What's the biblical idea of reconciliation? Reconciliation is the end of a relational separation caused by sin between God and humanity and or one another. Reconciliation is taking the two opposing things that at one point do not align and trying to get them to align again. That's where Wikipedia is somewhat right. But the idea of what we're going for is really, is what I view wrong? Let me give you this idea. God is the bank, and you are your personal statement. If you are looking at your statement sitting there going, God is wrong, you are wrong. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> Where it gets complicated is sometimes in our life, the way we are viewing a situation may be different than the way our mom is viewing the situation, or our brother is viewing the situation, or our cousin is viewing the situation. And through all of that, what we have to do is take the biblical look and examine what is God asking us to do? How is this going to reconcile with God's truth? Now, one very important thing to remember. When you're trying to reconcile truth, I say this all the time, a sin is very different than an annoyance. Biblical reconciliation is trying to get the person who is sinning or people who are sinning back on God's standard, God's truth. If someone is annoying you, what do I always say? It's probably your problem, not theirs. He can't help it that he snores. Sure he could. Get him that, I see the elbows. Get him that breathe note, okay, get the breathe note. But th th there's certain things that are just annoying, okay? You're not going to change them. My humor is my humor. You either like it or you don't. I'm sorry. Now, if I know that my humor annoys you, I can try to not do it as much, but I can't change my personality overnight. Does that make sense? However, if I am sinning, biblical truth compels us to look at what God's standard is and for me to go through the transformation process of change. So what does this transformation process look like? What does reconciliation with our relationship with God look like? What does our relationship with another look like? Now, this is the point where I would say you could find a lot of good Christian blogs on this. Over the last year, Drew has really worked hard with a couple others, Jeff and Chris and myself, Amy, and we've tried to come up with a process of reconciliation that the way our church is going to handle reconciliation moving forward. Normally, I like to find a passage and preach just out of that little passage. 
today is going to be a little bit of an exception as well as the next two weeks because of this topic. So we're going to look at an, a five different verses that explain the reconciliation process as we feel like God has orchestrated through the Bible that are necessary for us to heal our relationship with God and with each other. Fair enough? To make the relationships right. Does anybody want to have a good relationship or do you just like the dysfunction? Right? All right. So what is the first step of reconciliation? Well, first and foremost, before we even get to that, let me say this. Reconciliation requires both parties desire to be reconciled. That's very important. Reconciliation requires both parties. God always wants to be reconciled with you. That's the good part. If you want to reconcile your relationship with God, you can do it. But sometimes you might want to reconcile, reconcile a relationship and the other person not have anything to do with it. That doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. Okay? Okay. Step one. Confession. James 5.16. Now, James is talking in this passage about the healing of the church and praying for healing. And this is part of healing. It's spiritual healing. 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in effect. When a person comes in, when Jesus healed people, he was healing them spiritually and physically. So when the blind person came in and said, can I be healed? He would say, yes, go and your sins are forgiven. Now, you're, now you can see. So it's the idea of a, a holistic healing is necessary. And a lot of times what we want is we want the physical healing without the spiritual healing. That doesn't work. The spiritual healing happens when we first and foremost realize that we are spiritually broken, that we are in need of God, that we are in need of something else, that all of us have sinned and gone astray. And I think what we do far too often is sit there and go, it's their fault. Really? Examine yourself. One of the things I always tell college students to do I was a college minister for 13 years, in case you didn't know that. One of the things I still tell college students to do, because Chris and I meet with them on Sunday nights, one of the things that was taught to me when I was in college, which is the reason I teach them, is every night when you go to bed, ask God to show you where you sinned. You ain't seen a horror movie like that since Friday the 13th. Because God will show you. And to realize and confess those to God is important. A confession acknowledges our mistakes and begins the healing process. Confession acknowledges our mistakes and begins the healing process. And I think far too often we think confession is the healing process. Nope. Step one. Why? Because confession without repentance proves you're not really sorry. So what is repentance? Acts 3, 19 through 20. Therefore, repent and turn back. That's the definition of repentance. Turn back so that your sins may be wiped out. That seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and he may send Jesus, who has appointed you as the Messiah. Repent and turn back to what? Your old way? No, to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Let me explain the difference in repentance and confession by telling you the story of Dr. Russell Moore, who is a professor. I heard this the other day with Jordan and Amy. We were watching a seminar, okay? Now, Dr. Moore was a seminary professor for many years at South 
Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And as a professor at the seminary, you can pretty much bet that down the road, you're going to get a text, an email, or a letter from a student who is confessing the fact that they cheated when they were in seminary. Why? Because the Holy Spirit works that way. So Dr. Moore said, I got tired of getting these guys calling me and saying, hey, Dr. Moore, I'm sorry. I messed up. Would you forgive me? And him going, sure, thank you for your confession. We appreciate your posture. So one day he got a call, and he thought to himself, okay, I'm going to see where this really goes. This guy called and said, Dr. Moore, I, I need to confess to you. I, I cheated on an exam. Will you forgive me? And Dr. Moore goes, sure, absolutely. Now, here's what I need you to do. I need you to mail in your diploma, re-enroll in that class, take that class again, and after you've taken that class again, we will resend you your diploma so that you can complete your degree. And he said, the guy got really angry. How could you do this to me? I'm, I'm sitting here being vulnerable to you. I'm sitting here going, what's wrong with you? Why are you doing this? Why do you want to ruin my life? Dr. Moore's like, I'm not ruining your life. I'm, I'm showing you the difference in repentance and confession. Because see, if you're really repentant, you're going to walk through the necessary consequences of what comes your way. If you're really repentant, it might get really hard. If you are truly repentant, your life may get very messy for a season. Are we ready to do that? That's where ultimately transformation happens, through repentance. Repentance causes us to turn away from our hurtful actions towards God's healing truth. And that's so important to understand. And, and ultimately, repentance will lead you to realizing that you're going to likely, almost certainly need assistance helping, and that's where accountability comes in. Accountability is super important. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, and then skipping down to 11, says this, For you are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then let us not sleep like the rest, but let us stay awake and self-controlled. That's recognizing there is an enemy, that someone's going to try to get you down the wrong path. And it says, therefore, verse 11, encourage one another and build each other up as you are already doing. Now, there are tons of verses that we could find that talk about accountability throughout the Bible. There's relationships throughout the Bible that point to this. This is one snippet of an example, but the, I like this one because it says, encourage one another, grace and truth. An accountability partner isn't going to beat you over the head. They are going to hold you to a standard. An accountability partner or someone that you're confessing to is going to challenge you to chase after Jesus while acknowledging that you may feel bad for a season. Someone who's going to help hold you accountable is longing to see the best of God shine through your life so that you can be a change agent in the world. So accountability is a fundamental key in helping us to balance grace and truth as we try to pursue holiness. Does anybody beat themselves up over and over? Maybe it's just me, I don't know accountability partners sometimes will say you're beating yourself up too much 
And sometimes an accountability partner will say, you're not taking this serious enough. And so when you have someone who holds you accountable, I, I just strongly encourage you in your life, find your Paul, Barnabas, and Timothy. Find a person who is older than you, or if you're a female, Paulina, I can't do that. Okay, find an older woman, a woman your age, and a younger woman in your life. An older woman to speak the wisdom in your life. A woman your age, or a man if you're age, if you're a man, I got onto the woman thing, or a person your age who can look into your heart and say, I know what it's like to be your age, but here's how you should change. And then find someone younger that you can invest in. And here's what I find. A lot of times I grow more in investing in the younger person than I do in the other ones. Why? Because I sit there and I go, oh, I got to practice what I preach. If we all do that, it'll change us. Accountability takes form in the presence of different programs. We offer something called Celebrate Recovery here for those who are coming with addictions, and that's so much more than just alcohol or drugs. We offer those methods. The, the pastoral staff is here. There's different things, but you need accountability to truly overcome the things in your life. Accountability will help establish a plan for healing and the removal of the sin from your life. It will establish a plan of a restoration of the community. If you're a leader in this community and you come and you say, I am, pick a sin, right? We might ask you to step off the leadership team for a while. That's not done out of anger as much as done out of biblical healing so that you can heal. Good accountability will remind you that you have to walk through what is going on to get better. The fourth step. And the reason we don't really practice accountability a lot is humility. Ephesians 4, 1-4, through Therefore I, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility, with gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now we could do a whole sermon on that whole section. But do you notice what it starts with? Humility. Humility is the posture. Remember, it's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking less about yourself. Humility is not allowing people to walk over you. It's placing your posture in a place that allows God to speak to you with you having opening ears and a good heart. I like this. Um, I saw this quote by the great theologian Kirk Franklin this week said, we want to follow Christ when we like where he's going, as if God is only good when life is. Maybe why we Christians today don't have a lot of muscle is because we refuse to lift the heavy weights of life. Maybe the reason that we don't know how to walk in grace and truth is because we're not willing to humble ourselves, to go through the discipline of restoration and reconciliation. So what does humility look like? Willingness to take the lowest seat at the table. But I didn't get to have a say. Okay. Why are you entitled to have a say? But this is how I would do it. Great. Why should you have the right to do that? Sit and soak when you're going through a difficult time. We say that around here a lot. 
Sit and soak so that you can heal. Learn, listen, heal. Then ultimately, you're trying to arrive at a healthy place and the ability to talk, to help about others through spiritual struggles. You know how I know that you're on the path through reconciliation back into restoration where you can start serving again? Is you are recycling the stuff from your past. We talk that a lot around here about going green spiritually. We're not trying to take the stuff from our past and bury it in some spiritual landfill hoping no one finds out about it. But rather, we're trying to take the junk from our past, whether you've been through a divorce in your past, whether you've had an abortion in your past, whether you've been addicted to porn in your past, and you're willing to say, okay, this is where I've been. I've now walked through a healing process, and I want to help others who are struggling with that. That's how we know that you're, you're healing. That you're ready to be restored. Which leads us to the final step. And the one we really don't like in our culture. The other ones were bad. Patience. Patience. Galatians 6, 6-9. Let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will reap. Because the one who sows his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh, but the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. We will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Guess what I've learned since being in a farming community? I know this is novelty, right? Corn does not grow in 24 hours. Soybeans don't. Now, we have a lot of people in this world, and even some in this room, who are working on genetics in a way to speed up that process. Maybe that day will come. But regardless of how good they do, I don't think corn is going to grow in 24 hours in our lifetime. We can agree to disagree on that one. But you're wrong. There are things in life that take time. So let me ask you, Christian, are you willing to go through a season of your marriage being on the rocks to get a healthy marriage? Are you willing to go through a season where you're willing to humble yourself to your boss and walk through whatever consequences may happen? Are you willing to say God's truth is ultimately what is best for my life and therefore I'm going to lean into that and I'm going to surround myself with people who are going to point me to truth and grace. People come to us a lot of times I'm just to be real vulnerable with you and they want to confess but they don't want to walk through the process and then they get mad at the church because they say you weren't kind to us when we were going through a difficult time of confession. And I would say, I disagree. You confessed, but you never repented because you didn't want to change. You wanted the ease of conscience without the truth. You wanted the acceptance without being able to change. I know because I've tried it myself. 
So today, here is our daily training. If there is a relationship that is damaged in your life, most of us probably have one. Will you begin your process of allowing the relationship to start off the journey of reconciliation? That means confessing it. It means confessing your part of the sin. Now, reminder, reconciliation requires both parties' desire to be reconciled. So those of you who keep telling me, the relationship should be better, the relationship should be better, why is it getting better, I'm doing my part, it requires both. But will you do your part to make sure that you are sponging the sin, the truth that is contrary to what God asks you to do in your own life, and give it to him? You see, we believe Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. And that our sin separates us from the relationship with God. And because of what he did sacrificially on the cross, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you can live with him from now into an eternity. We'd love to talk to you more about that at our next step space, or you can go online to yourcalvary.info and fill out something right there. And we'd love to follow up with you about what it means to be a faithful follower of Jesus. But we believe that God's word is true. And so through grace and truth, we're going to seek after him and we're going to lovingly challenge us to hold up his standard, to hold up his truth. We're going to help you, even though the process is difficult. Guys, we love you enough to say the hard things. Will you join us? Will you commit as a church to help us go through this process with as many people as possible, beginning with yourself? So God, we ask that you would move today. We thank you for how you love us. Forgive us, God, when we fall short. Forgive us, God, when we see everyone else's sins but ignore our own. God, right now, there are undoubtedly many who are wondering if it's worth going through the process of reconciliation. Of the hidden sins that are deep within, and they're wondering where it begins. God, I pray for them that your peace would direct them to do what you asked them to do. God, for the people that are going to hear confessions, some of them may be a shock. They may come as deep wounds. God, give us patience through the process. I pray for the ability for them to feel peace for them to feel your mercy, that we would surround them and that heal them. God, that marriages would be saved. That parental, parental relationships would be restored. That friendships would be mended. That enemies would become friends. And all this would happen at the foot of the cross, pointing to how good you are because you are good. You're holy and kind and just and loving. You are our King, our Lord, our Savior, and we lean and look to you. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's worship.
Can't stop. 
thankful for that love cannot be stopped go ahead and have a seat remember when we used to give everybody out these handouts when you came in with all of our information for the week it seems like it's been forever since we've done that for us to try to get you all the important information we send out emails on Sunday and Wednesday afternoon and usually they have a video on them so make sure you're checking those out throughout the week so that you're getting up to date as well as all of our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all those fun accounts. Also, like Daniel mentioned, if you want to go know more about baptism or serving or have a prayer request, any any needs, if you go to yourcalvary.info slash connect card. It's got all of that info on there and the appropriate team leader, leader will get in touch with you. As you leave today, you can give in the buckets at the back door, or you can give online at our giving site. Uh, let's pray, and then we can be dismissed. Our dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be able to gather this morning, both in person and online, that we can gather as a church and celebrate the love and grace you have for us. Lord. We lift up the words of Daniel. We pray that they can be on our heart as we go throughout the week. We can find time to spend more time with you and reflect personally and grow as we go. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all the blessings and talents that you give us. We ask for health and safety for everyone as they go throughout the week. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be careful on your way out. Have a great week. It's great snowman weather. If you haven't made one, have a fun afternoon. So, thanks.